In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Everybody, I'm Chad Bolkelman. I'm Mark Marble, and this is the Lantern Cast, episode 320. That's right. As promised, this is our Infinity War breakdown. We have both seen the movie, so spoilers, 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 and spoilers. On off, <laughs> yeah, on the off chance, just. Just to throw it out there, this is the culmination of 10 years worth of Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. So, just to throw it out there, spoilers for the last 10 years worth of MCU movies. In other words, if you've seen Infinity War but haven't seen Black Panther or something to that effect, and don't want those other movie spoils for you, you probably don't want to listen to this either. (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) Just going to cover all our bases. It's probably, to be fair, it's probably more true just if you haven't... if you haven't seen Black Panther and, let's say, Ragnarok, or if you haven't seen Black... Probably, the, two, the I'd say the two you really need to have seen the most... Let's say three. Let's keep Black Panther in there. Black Panther, Ragnarok, probably, and Doctor Strange. If you haven't seen any of those three, then, yeah, you, you, you have a lot of catching up to do before you even watch this movie. <laughs> or you were lost watching it if you've already seen it. <laughs> So I saw it opening night, Thursday night. Uh, Mark, did you see it the same night? Yeah, I saw the 6 o'clock fan event. Which, by the way, I should point out, I don't I don't know why they did this. We had no friggin' trailer package on the damn on the fan event. It pissed me off. I couldn't believe it. Well, there was uh, no, no Venom trailer in front of mine. Oh, so. that sucked for you too, then. Yeah. That blows. Uh, oh, well. 
if anybody else saw the Venom trailer in front of their film, let us know. Uh, I, I'm actually honestly curious because uh, I saw it at an Alamo and a friend of mine saw it at an, at an Alamo draft house. And they're not always known for showing all of the current trailers the way the regular cinemas do. So um, it's possible that uh, other theaters are playing the Venom trailer in front of Infinity War, but not to my knowledge uh, and you know uh, experience. So I'd like to know, if people have gone to see Infinity War, was Venom, the Venom trailer, the new one that actually shows Venom, in front of your movie? Let us know. But... Uh, yeah, we're gonna get into it tonight. So, where do where where do we start, man? I've pondered this. I mean, there are multiple ways to do this. I thought about that. I, I would just begin and, re- and try to recap the basically the events of this movie in, in, in a much more linear fashion than we got to see them in the movie. Uh, less less vignette like we could do that way. We could focus on general thoughts. We could focus on characters, uh, groups. Uh, different branches, no fun pun intended here. Group. Uh, there's lots of different ways that we could we could approach, which is now the you know the biggest domestic and biggest worldwide opening movie. You know, from a week for opening weekend perspective, it is the number one movie has the biggest domestic and worldwide opening now of any movie in history. Now, thanks, which doesn't. Su- it doesn't really surprise me. I had a feeling all along it was going to beat Force Awakens. Um, I really thought that. Uh, so, but that's because it's already made like about what six hundred and six hundred thirty million dollars worldwide after its opening weekend. Combined. Yeah, we're, we're we're recording this the Monday after its opening weekend, and I saw some article online saying something like, "By t- t- late tonight or sometime tomorrow." Infinity War will have already made the entire amount of money that that Justice League made in its entire box office run. Mm. Oh, worldwide, yeah, worldwide, or yeah. domestic, yeah, worldwide, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's yeah. that's probably that's that's probably a given. Um, as I'm sitting here drinking with my little Aveng- out of my Avengers collector's cup from the fan event. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is pretty cool. Too bad they give you those. They still give you those flimsy plastic cot, uh, top, so it's not. It's not like I can continue to drink out of this forever because the top's gonna crack. But it still was a pretty cool cup. So how do you want to approach it? Do you want me to try to wrap sum up the movie, or do you want to? Do you want to delve into character? Uh, uh, yeah, should, probably, probably shouldn't sum up. There's no need to sum up the plot. If people are listening to this, they saw the movie. Uh, so well, unless the people who know that. Who know they're they're not going to see the movie for a long time and they don't care. But you're you're probably correct. You are probably correct. Um, so I guess we should start with the one character we haven't seen much of, but we got a shit ton of in this movie. Thanos himself. Thanos himself. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go first on Thanos? Well, how about general impressions? I guess first. I I, I enjoyed the movie for sure. Um, I I definitely enjoyed it. Uh. It, it, it was what I thought it was. It was going to. There was some comedy in there, but I like how they just they took hard left turns into the darkness <laughs> and the despair, uh, the way I uh, hoped that they they would. Um, so so that's that. Um, and it definitely. A lot of people were saying like it's its own movie. It's definitely not a part one of two. But the way it ends, it's it's very clearly a part one of two. Come on. I mean, you you can say, I guess, theoretically, it has its own story, but it's eh, come on, it's definitely a part one of two. Um, just the way it ends. 
I don't know about you. I have general thoughts on it before we launch into the character stuff? I liked it. It's not my favorite MCU movie. It's I actually I re, I redid my list, which I don't think I have in front of me. It's it might be in the top five, but if it is, it's barely in there. It really hasn't pushed anything that I I liked out. And uh, I'm trying to think. I think it may have pushed Black Panther down one, maybe, maybe, but I don't even know. But I liked I liked it overall, even without you know. I would say even if I hadn't known pretty much about everything that was ha- going to happen in this movie before I went to see it, I think I would not have been surprised by that. I wouldn't have been the the, the uh. Well, and I, we're going to obviously talk about you know the deaths of characters and this and that. I think I think Gomorrah's arc was obviously different than I would have ever suspected, probably based on without knowing the spoilers going in. I think so. Gomorrah was kind of kind of a surprise. I they, see it's interesting again having to do with what they tell you ahead of time, uh, marketing, dis, uh, misdirection. Because Marvel obviously is getting real good at misdirection when it comes to trailers, so which is perfect for them because at this point all they have to do is keep giving you misdirection for like two or three movies in a row, and then all of a sudden they can show you a trailer which actually tells you everything you think it shows you, but people aren't going to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Any more, and that'll be their ultimate fu to people. It's like, hey, we we showed you, we told you what was gonna happen, you just didn't listen. Uh, so, I mean, they were they were dead on when they said that this was Thanos's movie. It absolutely was Thanos's movie. It makes it clear all throughout that you know because just that you know Thanos is absolutely the main character of this movie. They, they, I, I was a little concerned, and I kind of was alluding to this last episode, that I was a little concerned, not just because of how people could react to certain decisions that were made in this movie, and, and, mm-hmm. but the cliffhanger, because, not because most people wouldn't have thought it was going to be a cliffhanger, but, but exactly what you said, because Marvel had backed off so much for making it seem like Avengers 3 and 4 were, two, were, were like basically two parts of the same story. That was a good way to potentially piss people off by giving you the ultimate cliffhanger and like what kind of ending, and then making and then having especially with you know how, when you know with with Thor's big moment at the end when a lot when logically a lot of people who who didn't know or didn't really think it was going to be a cliffhanger would have thought that might have been the moment when they were going to win. That I thought there could be some put there could be some pushback from that. Obviously there isn't because technically speaking the on um, you know the. From, an, from a Rotten Tomatoes perspective, the audience score is actually almost 10 points higher than the critic score for Rotten, for uh, Infinity War. So the fans who have seen the movie so far and have rated it actually think it's better than the critics do. So there is so I, it's, pretty, it's probably safe to say there isn't going to be that kind of pushback or that I was a little concerned with. Like I mentioned, I never thought it was going to have Return of the Je- excuse me uh, Last Jedi pushback where it was going to piss the you know piss the core audience off so much but I was a little I was a little concerned about because they again the way they had backtracked from something which was so obvious to begin with that this movie was going you know and then then you have the misdirection of obviously not showing Thanos having as many stones as he did at different times in the movie Thor getting his eye back which is kind of ironic (laughs) that for Ragnarok they showed him with his eye when he loses it and in in some of these trailers they show him without his eye or they purposely don't show you scenes where he has his eye back (laughs) and then um, obviously the whole the ultimate misdirection with the Hulk leap charging into battle in Wakanda which clearly was done you know to throw people off 
Or 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 was a scene that they left out and uh, is going to be part of the fourth one. I, it's po- it's, it's possible. possible, but basically, unlikely, but still yeah, a possibility. Possi- I would say exactly that. It's unlikely, but it's possible. It seemed like they made a pretty, they made a decision pretty early on, unless we find out there was some massive editing to this. That it seems like they made a decision early on that part of their little playing on the expectation of people was to not have the Hulk in this movie for much of it at all. In fact, you know, other than the opening scene, and that, and then of course. Since we're t- since we're talking, since we kind of segued into the Hulk, uh, I know they're really playing up the idea that it's all, you know, the Hulk is afraid of Thanos, and that's why he won't come out because he got his ass kicked so bad. And on one level, that idea that's the real reason why he doesn't come out. Like I, I really want to believe there's more to it because of the way of Banner and Hulk are evolving, and or their personalities are coming closer together. That mm-hmm. I want to believe there's more to it than that. Sim- for if for no other reason, because that's not really Hulk-like based on the co- on the comics. You know, the Hulk has gotten his ass kicked plenty of times. It doesn't mean that the Hulk doesn't come back out uh, and ready ready to try it again. But it also kind of reminded me a little, which is kind of funny because we just did this not that long ago, of that Atlas arc in Werewolf by Night, where when Jack transforms in the second night, and he has to square off against Atlas again. He remembers instantaneously. What Atlas did to him the night before, and when, and, and that op- and that kind of opened it always up to. Spe- I assumed it was the Jack Russell part of him remembering that, but you could make a case it's just raw animal instinct remembering something that hurts you, and running away and and, and shying away from it. But but I re- when I looked at it through that through the prism of that arc, then maybe it makes a little bit of sense. And you could all, and because even if he is afraid, you could just see you could just see the telltale moment when Thanos doesn't have the doesn't have the stones or the gauntlet, and maybe Black Widow is in danger, and all of a sudden that's going to get the Hulk angry enough, where, and that could have been part of the problem. We know the Hulk is the Hulk isn't necessarily stronger than everybody to start off with. It's just that he gets exponentially stronger at the angrier he gets. So it could very well have been, simply put, that taking the gauntlet out of the picture. That he could do fine against Thanos as long as he was angry enough, got angry enough quick enough, and he clearly didn't have, he clearly really didn't get above, above the normal Hulk anger level before he got KO'd. So I hope there's more more of an expo, explanation for that. Just like I hope there's more of a bigger moment with him getting it, getting another shot at, at Thanos. But it, it kind of Banner was good. Banner, you know. Banner has, you know, some people think he's kind of become a caricature of himself now, of uh, what that character, you know, what Bruce Banner is supposed to be. But I kind of like the little, the, the humorous kind of like goofy Banner that Ruffalo plays. So Banner had some good moments in this movie, but it was disappointing that the Hulk, pretty much after the first like five minutes of the movie, he's gone. I mean, truthfully speaking, this is the first time uh, Hulk really has, really has had his ass kicked. In so, M- oh I mean, yeah, in the MCU, yes. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it, it would make sense for him to be a bit gun shy or whatever. But, that, but uh, I would buy that more if he was trying to be brought, if they were trying to bring him back out again to square off with Thanos again. But it, I don't know. I I I can under I understand it's kind of like you know it's a question of confidence. It's like performance anxiety here. But I understand part of it. But the idea that Hulk wouldn't want to come out and fight anybody anymore. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like in, even in Wakanda, when he's fighting all the friggin' aliens, I mean, I find that, I don't know, I find that difficult to believe. But I like that, I'm hoping 
especially if what Ruffalo said was true, that this, like, basically it's a three-movie arc for, for, for Banner and the Hulk that began with Ragnarok, carries over into this movie, and finishes off in four, that maybe we're going to see a different Hulk. Maybe it's going to be more like the Smart Hulk or the or Professor Hulk, that, that, that there's going to be a merging of the two personalities. Maybe like Banner, how Banner was afraid to transform back into the Hulk because he thought he would, nev- he would never come back again. Maybe there's a similar aspect of Hulk knows that more and more Banner is coming out into him, and maybe he's afraid of become of letting Banner basically get more and more control of him. I don't know, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm just saying. You know, I was saying it just makes sense that if if Hulk's a bit gun shy, I mean, it's the first time he said his ass truly handed to him, and I, you kind of get the feeling. I mean, if you really want to look at it, you can take a look at some of. Hulk's personality aspects and the conversations he's had having with Thor and Ragnarok when he's just sitting there in the room, um, you know, like when uh, you know uh, Thor calls him the stupid Avenger or something, he gets all butthurt, you yes. know, and he he doesn't fight Thor, but he like sulks away, and you know, so I mean, it's clear that he's developing some sort of a. a uh, thin skin, maybe you know his his personality is starting to evolve, and so his his uh, you know uh, emotional range is quite small. So maybe getting his ass handed to him like that was just something he's not yet capable of coping with. That is true. That's why, again, when I placed, when I viewed it through the prism of uh, like of the Jack Russell Atlas arc and Werewolf by Night, I guess I could see it on multiple levels, maybe a little bit more, make it a little more understandable why he would be gun-shy at the very least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and uh, I guess using that to to kind of pivot, uh, speaking of getting his ass handed to him, back to Thanos, I mean, uh, in a way, one of the things that irritated me in this movie uh, is just the, can, the way uh, some other characters, one of the first characters that died, Heimdall, so, I mean, come on. I'm just, I mean, I know a lot of people, and, and you know, the, we've already said spoilers. I know a lot of people are like, you know, hey, or, you know, Falcon, and, you know, all these other people, and, you know, I hope they come back in the next film. Me, I'm like, okay, Warriors 3, Heimdall, can we get them all back, please? Because I've just been super irritated with, uh, with how that cast has been treated. Now, no, let's, I mean, I won't shortchange it. It's uh, Heimdall obviously got a nice arc in Ragnarok, uh, and he does get to do something, you know, helpful and, and nice here with his power before he dies. But, I mean, at the same time, he just dies. The same, you know, almost the same way like Hogan did, or not quite as bad as, like, say, uh, um, uh, Volstagg and, and Fandral, but... I mean, seriously, I'm just one of my favorite things about the Thor books is not just Thor. It's the Warriors three. It's Sith. It's Heimdall. I like that world of characters and seeing Heimdall just taken out. Like I knew a lot of people were going to die, but I was like, are, are you serious? You just that entire ship filled of, of Asgardians is now gone. Heimdall's dead. Really? All you're going to leave on the table is Thor. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> But even though Thor later on, he does say later in the movie that half the, they killed half half the half the ship. So yeah, that, but then the, the but then the ship uh, blew up. So yeah, but you have to look at who you didn't see on this. I think it, I think it's open to interpretation that maybe some maybe some of the 
some of the maybe some people got away I don't know I guess we'll find out before because we didn't see Valkyrie we didn't see some of his other friends from uh, uh, from the what the Grandmasters world or whatever so I, I think so it's open to interpretation but even if half well you think about it this from this perspective even if half the population of the ship got away after Sato snaps his fingers that means there's only a quarter of the population left <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm kind of thinking that Asgard is a, is a very strong candidate for, depending how things get reset at the end of the next movie, that it is very possible to see you know Asgard back, at least not if all. So I, I I'm not as concerned because I don't I don't necessarily think you know we're going to see Thor being the last Asgardian and that's going to be like his role going forward. Uh, it could be, but I I I would. It really, and we'll speculate, I'm, I'm sure, about this as we get to the end of the episode, about what exactly we think will happen or how, or, or the different possibilities of what could happen and how, and how things are going to be set. But yeah, I could see that. I mean, Heim, I mean, we know Idris Elba has has not really been thrilled with a lot of the stuff, or the lack, more because he hasn't had anything to do for most of the movies that he's been in. Uh, I think Ragnarok was probably the exception. Maybe the original Thor, too, was the exception. But yeah, that that whole scene was really that. I mean, Loki Loki got a good death. Uh, hmm. I mean, it still kind of would have been cool if Loki had sent uh, the Hulk to Earth. But I, I meant, but Heimdall doing it also made sense from his from his from his power based on his power set. Lo, it was good to see that Loki didn't. Even though he was kind of giving us the impression he was ready to better deal Thor once again, that he really wasn't, that he was just setting Thanos up for the kill shot. Even though that does that, it made me think almost immediately after. It's like, why didn't he? Why didn't he do the typical the Loki go to trick of of illusion and mm-hmm. have it be an illusion Loki approaching Thanos? And then by the time Thanos realizes it's not really Loki, then Loki could have been behind him trying to slit his throat or something. That would have seemed more like a logical thing to try than just literally going in front of him and trying to step, you know. So, and it was good that it at least showed on on the surface. It kind of showed that he cared about Thor. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was good that he got to channel his inner Tony Stark and and use the we we have a Hulk line. Now, <laughs> 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 you know, it kind of sucked when I, when we when we were watching it because the stupid the stupid theater we were in uh, did never, I guess the movie that was playing before it was a 2D movie and, he, and they did not bother changing the lens correctly, so even though cause we, we were in, the fan event was 3D so the first few, the first like th- three minutes of that scene on the Asgardian ship was all out of focus because it was in, the movie was in 3D but the lens was still playing showing it was in 2D, so that kind of sucked uh, it was 3D I think before they got to the Hulk stuff but it kind of, but it was kind of awkward. So the impact of that, I think, most people was a little lost because people were getting frustrated. Mm. But it was certainly, and again, we kind of, we kind of all suspected that's how the movie was going to begin on the Asgardian ship, picking up where Ragnarok left off. So that was, that was, that was cool. Um, before I go off on a tangent, what I want to make sure that anything else. You want no, to no, add? no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so obviously the whole. I, I'm, 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 I'm still. Uh, you're a bit more uh, movie conscious than I am, so 
Although I remember what happens, I don't really know where to go. So I'm sort of I'm following your lead. Okay. <laughs> uh, obviously, the whole thing with the Asgardian ship leads to the the empty excuse, you, if you will, for the Guardians of the Galaxy to be in the area since they're answering the distri- the distress signal the ship sends out. Even though, again, being typical of the Guardians of the Galaxy, they seem to be much more in, much more Han Solo-like and much more interested in the reward they might get as opposed to actually helping people. The, I know, the, the Guardians in this movie really bugged me for the most part. Yes, uh, fuck Star-Lord. I mean, first of all, yeah, let, I'm glad you... Let, 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 let's, let's, and that's kind of where I was going with first... Let's 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 deal with Star Lord first, straight straight up. In the first Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Lord was pretty likable. He was a smartass, but he was pretty likable. In the second Guardians of the Galaxy, he was a lot more of a he was a lot more douchier. He was still funny, but he was a lot douchier. But a lot of them were douchier. I mean, Rocket was a dick in the second movie too. Mm. But in this movie, for my God, Star Lord was so. Um, I mean, he was really he was still was funny on occasion. No doubt, but he was so unlikable in this movie. He was just a grade A douche. I mean, when, when you're when you're have a, when you're sharing screen time with, with fellow sar- sarcastic and borderline douchey characters at times like Tony Stark and Doctor Strange, and you are clearly the least likable of the three. And especially because I believe from what what I read that they brought Gunn in to write some of those Guardian scenes. That you you ain't doing the character any credit. Let's put it that way. You really need to dial back. That douchiness of Star Lord when you do Guardians Three because he is really not likable. They did the complete opposite with with Rocket, which made Rocket the most likable Guardian I think in this movie. Rocket was much more like the Rocket from the first movie, not the the one trying to piss off everybody because he was trying to you know not get close to people and not let people in or whatever. Rocket, I really liked. Rocket was the only one, and Mantis, but Rocket of the real Guardians of the Galaxy. Gamora was cool, and we'll talk about Gamora in a few in a few minutes. But Rocket was the one I liked. Rocket was the most was the one I enjoyed the most. Drax is mostly useless. Uh, still in character, but mostly useless. And Groot was really a pain in the ass and useless too until he that one moment when he put you know Stormbreak held Stormbreaker together and, and and made the handle out of his arm. Well, also, DC I am Rogers. Groot. Yes, I, I am, am Steve, Steve Rogers. Rogers. Yes, that that was that was great. This this is my friend Tree. <laughs> I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I agree with you on the rocket aspect because my, probably my favorite arc of the whole movie was Thor's. Yeah, uh, just so- just because I'm a huge Thor fan, the, as soon as um, as soon as uh, um, oh, what's his name? The actor who played the dwarf, uh, Peter uh, yeah, Peter Dinklage. As soon as Peter Dinklage's character said the word Stormbreaker, I did a fist pump. I was like, yeah, called it, knew it. Freaking like it was like a combination of I called it slash I knew it slash holy fuck Stormbreaker. Uh, slash mild irritation that it had nothing whatsoever possibly to do with uh, with Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> well, but not yet they, anyway. Not yet yeah, anyway. They, Maybe down the road. Yeah. Uh, they said the word Stormbreaker and I was like, yeah. I mean, they are setting the stage for since we we saw the vis- the visage of Beta Ray Bill on the uh, t- the Tower of Champions at on uh, on what you call it on Sakar. Yeah. So they 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 definitely are paving the way for for Beta Ray Bill, which is cool because he's a good character. 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Thor was one. Thor was one of the best characters in the movie. He didn't have a whole lot of screen time. It seemed because the way he was split, because uh, there were a lot of time. There were big gaps between seeing Thor. But Thor, Thor was probably you know, well he wasn't probably. He absolutely was one of the, uh, the coolest. And the new Thor. I, I mean, some people don't like the new Thor. I like the new Thor. I think that I think Thor right now, besides Cap, is my second favorite. Is is my second favorite Avenger right now. He's always been one of my favorites. I'm just I'm just glad they finally upped the ante with his powers. Like they they finally you, like he finally matches who he is in the freaking comics. I can open any of the comics right now, and you can just be like, oh shit! Like <laughs> like almost. Not not the same way, but almost the same way people are like, well, with Superman, why do you need the Justice League? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. There, there have been several dozens of moments in comics history where Thor does something and you're like, why do we need the Avengers? <laughs> yeah, um, so Thor, Thor's arc is really cool, and... Just finishing off the Guardians, I would say, I mean, Nebula, Nebula isn't even really a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and she was more likable and more relevant than most of the other Guardians. Mantis, give Mantis credit. Mantis got, Mantis, you would figure Mantis is going to be mostly useless in a fight with Thanos, but Mantis actually was very important. And again, if not for douchey Star-Lord, they very well could have could have succeeded in getting that gauntlet off of Thanos's. Off of, off his hand because they were on the verge of doing so and now well, of all now of all times Peter is going to get oh my god you killed Gamora well you know I, that that I don't I I I don't fu- I, I still say fuck Star Lord but I say fuck Star Lord for for a ton of other reasons I I for I don't a hundred percent but I at least partly empathize with him when he when he figure, figures out Gamora is dead. And screws the pooch on that whole particular situation. But, like, I empathize with him. I understand it from his point of view and so on and so forth. Is it stupid? Should he have been able to place it aside and everything? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, I don't necessarily see that specific moment as out of character for him. Oh, no, it's, it's the not out of it's, it's, it's all, because you said, you know, that douchebag uh, moment, like, that in that particular moment, he's not being douchey. It's 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 all the rest of the stuff in it that he's just being an utter dickhole. Yeah, he's not. If I said that, he's not being he's not douchey as far as it, from a personality perspective. It's 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 understandable. It, but it there's there's just a common thread, not just with him, but there's a lot of hello big picture here that people seem to like. Let's let's talk about speaking of that. Let's talk about Gamora for a moment. Now, first of all, first of all, obviously this was something we never knew about because who knows how long ago it happened. But obviously, because Gamora was entrusted with you know by Thanos to find you know the location location of where the Soul Stone was, so obviously she found that location at some point. And now because she now she's best buds with Gamora, she decided to share this information. Gamora, excuse me, shared this information with Nebula. Why, if it's such a big secret, you would be sharing it to begin with? Two, to somebody who, at best, is just getting borderline, maybe sort of kind of reliable, but for the most part has wanted you dead for most of your life. And then, like, doing, at least, and it's just the way it's 
it's just the way it's done. It's like they're, she purposely doesn't tell Peter the secret. So because logically, because then Peter would know what the secret is. So there's another source for Thanos to get the answer that he wants. But she had no trouble telling Nebula, who Thanos then uses as a, as a living DVR to play back the whole conversation to reinforce what he already basically knows, which is that Gamora is a bad liar since he said he's, he never taught Gamora how to lie. So, I mean, she knows she knows that she she you know, and so the the idea, and then and then because she's because he's torturing Nebula. Oh yeah, I'll take you to the where the planet is. It's the big, it's the fucking universe. I understand it's it's Nebula. I understand you care about her, but this is the this is the whole point about sac, about making the sacrifice in the big picture. Again, the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. In all honesty, killing Nebula versus wiping out half the half the universe, there's not really much a decision to be made here. I know it's not easy because you care, but if you care about the universe as a whole, you're not going to cave in just because she's, he's going to kill Nebula. So I mean that this, that decision was that decision was stupid. Uh, it was it was nice from a Thanos perspective that we got to see that he actually cared. That you have to sacrifice the one that you, you know, the one you care about. And speaking of Red Skull, I fucking called it. <laughs> yeah. Not, not in this movie, obviously, but I said, like, how many? Anytime he's ever come up, I've been saying he's not gone. Oh yeah, well, I think most. I mean, I think most people really. I mean, we we knew that he wasn't. There was no reason. There was there was no reason to believe that he was dead for the same reason we didn't. We we never believed, and we found out shortly thereafter that Loki was never dead after falling off the Bifrost in the first yeah. Thor movie. I mean, so there, there's no there was no logic. There was no real reason to think he he was dead. It was weird. Oh, he, by by no means am I thinking me calling it is unique. I'm no, just saying. No, I didn't say it in me. Just, no, I'm just yeah. saying. But yeah, I mean. That that was which is funny because I, I I mentioned when we when we were recording last week, about to record with you you Jim and I, that 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 was the that was the one spoiler, that when I read the first article, that was the one spoiler a major spoiler that wasn't mentioned and then I saw a video that mentioned it and then I just oh and then and then I just I just like te- I just uh, on the messengers typed to Jim Red Skull he said he at that point he didn't want any more spoilers so I didn't so I didn't. So I didn't give it go into I didn't go into specifics about about everything in his role in the, in the movie, but it was like, but it was, I just simply said we got an explanation to find out what happened to him after uh, after First Avenger. So mm-hmm. so that that was cool, yeah. Seeing the Red Skull again, it's kind of weird how he kind of became the de facto guardian of the of the you know of the Soul Stone. The Soul Stone it was kind of cool that the Soul Stone basically made unlike the other stones there was a real you sac you had to there was a payment involved for getting it basically sacrificing the thing you cared or loved the most and you and you saw the you know the I guess the human side if you will of Thanos when he was willing to sacrifice Gamora in order in order to get that stone so her decision making wasn't great uh, I mean she did she did ask Peter to. She did ask Peter to kill her. Uh, Peter kind of, you know, screwed the pooch on that, waiting a little too long too. Obviously, Thanos wouldn't have allowed it to begin with. In all likelihood, he would have always snuffed it out. But it was cool seeing her when she thought she was killing Thanos. The fact that she did it, she was willing to do it, but then she regretted it. But then she had the remorse and the pain and the pain of having to do it. So you know, she still cared. A, she still, she also had feelings for Thanos, despite. 
it's funny just you just have all these all these that's why in a way Thor it's, even though they separated quickly Thor Gamora and and Star Lord because they kind of making jokes about this you know in the beginning of the movie that they all have their same screwed up issues with their you know with their families and all these problems with their families I mean Star I mean Star Lord and Gamora are like a perfect match considering how how warped both their fathers are and basically. Peter had to kill his, and Gamora was willing to kill hers, and thought she did, but not really. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned Drax being utterly useless. That sort of pissed me off. Now, that doesn't mean that he won't play a pivotal role in the next film, uh, because Thanos is still alive. But, yeah. Uh, Speaking of Thanos still being alive, I don't care what anybody says online in response to my comments on this matter. I refuse to give, give any ground. We're not waiting until Guardians 3. Avengers 4, Adam Warlock. And I still don't think we're getting them. I don't. I think, think it's going to happen. I, think, I mean, I, I just got a feeling, man. Well, I think with the Captain Marvel being involved, I think that's going to be the character that, that in a way may be stepping into the void to fill part of the Adam Warlock role. Because I mean, I mean, yeah, we we it's obvious that Marvel could be giving us misdirection and all this thing about oh, it's 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 basically there's too there's too much backstory to give to this character to just drop him in to this movie that basically there needed to be another movie to introduce him first, so that could just be that could just be misdirection or it absolutely could be, but I don't know with Captain Marvel being intro, you know being thrown into the mix she obviously she's going to be introduced a few months before. Uh, before Infinite, the net, whatever the hell Avengers Four will be titled, that she's going to be introduced, you know, as the last Marvel movie before that comes out. I think she's going to fill part of that role, and I think it's pretty safe to say Ant Man and Wasp and maybe Hank and Janet are going to be big factors too. Because I would be stunned, I would be stunned if the after credit scene in Infinity in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp doesn't involve like Doctor Strange. I think. Doctor Strange was kind of here, here and there, and disappearing. You know, obviously at times too. So clearly, we we know from watching this movie, and this is kind of skipping a little again. We're going to be doing a lot of that since we're not doing a pure uh, recap, a beat by beat of the story at one time. Clearly, since we know Doctor Strange looked into the 14 million plus possibilities, and there was only one basically in which they came out on top, it's pretty safe to say that all the decisions he made from that point in the movie going forward all involved that one, the, the, the events playing out the way he saw that one successful chance, that one successful timeline. So everything he did, including you know, giving willingly giving up the time stone, which he also yes he could have put a spell on the time stone. Uh, which is very likely. Uh, who knows? We may find out that he w- he went to go visit all you know Hank and all those all the shrinkers. <laughs> and who knows? As far as we know, maybe Ant Man maybe Ant Man's in the, the time stone or is you know or on the time stone, or it has to do with the quantum realm being out of kind of like out of time and in space and not really being part of. But either way, I would be suspect that. that Doctor Strange is going to be in the after credit scene in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, kind of setting up what Ant... Because it seems like Ant-Man's going to have a relevant role since we've seen him... seen, seen scenes where he's like interacting with, at least by looks, uh, Battle of New York-era Avengers. So whatever that means, whether it's you know multiverse, whether it's uh, uh, time travel, 
it seems like there's going to be something. So I thought I thought Doctor Strange has a was had a really good, was really good in the movie. I thought he I I liked his role. It showed how powerful yeah. he was. Well, and, it's not just how powerful. It's just uh, the because you it's it's hinted at and it's outright said, but it's never really shown. I mean, I guess you could say uh, in, in the battle with Dormammu. I guess it's kind of shown, but. It's never really a hundred percent shown uh, uh, explicitly in Doctor Strange that Doctor Strange is the guardian of the universe. Essentially, I mean, like he's 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 guardian of not just Earth but this plane of existence entirely. Like that is that is the weight that is on his shoulders. So, like in the moments where he's like being a a douche to Tony or whatever. He's not really being a douche. He's just like, I don't care what you have to say. I've got priorities to deal with here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, ab- absolutely. So that so it's pretty. So it's pretty. It's pretty clear. Lo- just using logic, let alone li- actually dissecting the words that he's saying specifically, that it's pretty clear that when he's telling Tony and, and Peter for them, or telling Tony about him and Peter. I forget if Peter is actually standing by him at the time or not. That when he makes it clear as they're on their way to Titan, that you know, if it comes down to me saving you and the kid, or me protecting the stone, you know, there's no there's no contest. You know, you guys are dying if I if I have to choose between you know the two options. But yet, when push comes to shove in the movie, he willingly gives the time stone to Thanos in order to save Tony Stark. So it's pretty after safe. looking into the future. Yeah, so it's pretty safe to say that and his words at the end. Uh, the, the, the two cryptic things that he says, you know, we're in the end game now, and the fact that you know th- this was the only way. Uh, that obviously that all refers to that one shot, not even one in a million, obviously one in the fourteen million plus. That ways that the you know the event that Thanos can be beaten, that he has seen that path, and all these things that he's doing is making sure that path is or increasing the odds that that path will come to fruition. Uh, the way he saw it. So, yes. So, I... But, yes. I mean... But, it, it was a really good... You know, so, I know... I've re- I've seen a lot of people say that they thought, in a way, that, you know, this was a better Doctor Strange movie than Doctor Strange. <laughs> uh, he was a really powerful character. And not just power set-wise, but presence-wise. He was a key factor yeah. in this movie. Uh, I'm, act- still, I'm still waiting for the visuals that you've been getting... Especially recently in like Doctor Strange comics, where Strange sees all the stuff we don't. Like you know, someone who's suffering from depression or something actually has some sort of a psychic leech on them or something that only Strange can see. You know what I mean? Like all right. the weird shit that happens in our world only he can see. I'm still waiting on seeing that in a film, but I like that we're slowly building this man's uh, the scope and breadth of his abilities. And uh, and the stuff that he's able to do. Yeah, the 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 battle, you know, the, the battle in New York in the was pretty in the beginning was pretty cool with Long and uh, him and and Tony, right. and then eventually Spider Man c- coming in. It was a good Spider Man movie too. I mean, mm. he was especially. I mean, you have. To, I mean, per capita, when you look at his his power set, and yeah, we know he had the at this point he was in the Iron Spider armor. That, but the point is. He did really well on Titan. Spider-Man mm-hmm. did really well, and was and had and had lots to do, including when he was saving Drax and uh, and Mantis and things like that. 
So, and, and, and thanks to his uh, movie-going knowledge, he was the architect of getting rid of Ebony Maw. So. <laughs> uh, Which is interesting. Uh, I don't think I heard anybody say any of their names. Ebony Maw, Proxima, Midnight, any of them. I thought they did. I'm trying to remember if they said, I thought, for some reason, if I thought they said any of them, I thought they might have said Ebony Maw. But, I, but you could be right. The, you 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 could be right, uh, yeah. But Doctor Strange was very strong. I didn't think I didn't think Tony was that strong. Uh, I th- on Titan he got better. I think once they got to Titan and maybe interacting with everybody else, and then, and obviously there was the fake out moment when he gets speared and you think he might actually die. That was kind of cool, but I don't think this was the best Tony Stark that we've seen, and I mean from a performance perspective. I, I think I mean well true, but also I think it's uh, I think he was shook because I mean d- yeah the I guess in Iron Man three I guess is that he's dealing with the the, PTSD. the yeah PTSD of going through the wormhole and everything and thinking he wasn't coming back and and all of this stuff. But basically, ever since the first Avengers movie, it's been extremely clear that Tony's been in the prep stages for quote unquote something he doesn't know what's coming but he he feels in his gut something's coming yeah and he's been dealing with the image that scarlet witch showed him since the beginning of right. Ultron too so that right, right so the combination right. of the two i mean he he the, so now that it's here he's right. just like okay like it, it's it's not even like okay is this it is this sort of no, like he knows somehow instinctually he knows this is it so i think he's just freaking out a bit. No, yeah, I, I, I think that's true, and I think from his perspective, which is kind of funny because, once again, the difference between what the trailer implies and the way it's cut and what we actually get. And the, the trailers imply that it's like we have what he wants, so it's kind of like we have the advantage that, 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 that he's coming to us, implying that they're talking about Wakanda and what he's actually talking about when actually the whole his the real plan is to fight him on Titan and fight him and fight him away from the earth <laughs> so that so that part is that that part is kind of that part is kind of interesting uh, I think it it's a little disappointing it was a little disappointing that Tony doesn't call Steve that he kind of was hemming and hawing about about calling Steve just enough, you know, conveniently enough plot wise, that then you know the black the Black Order arrives in New York and then they have to fight and he doesn't get a chance to because he ends up going into space and Bruce is the one who ends up. I also find it interesting that that with Wanda and the Vision, obviously both it's pretty clear in the movie that like both sides know well at least let me be more clear it's very clear in the movie that Cap's team knows what Wanda's doing and the only thing that Wanda kind of does a little bit wrong in that in this particular moment is that she's falling out of, fallen out of contact with them this time but you kind of get the impression that it, that hasn't really been her pattern before mm-hmm. the vision you kind of get the impression his pattern has been growing more and more where he's kind of going off on his own, he's turning off his tracking, that this may not be a 100% isolated incident this might be the longest he's been away but that he's done it before so you kind of get the idea that Cap's team is a little more aware of everything that's going on with Wanda than Tony is with with the Vision 
The vision is really disappointing in this movie. I know they justify it from a plot perspective because he gets speared from behind immediately, and more or less he even comments how that basically is because of the wound that he suffers that he's it affects his his uh, phasing powers. Mm-hmm. So he has a few moments, a very few, but it kind of sucks for a character that's inherently as strong and powerful as the Vision to be as useless as he is for the majority of the movie. On the, on the opposite end, you see how incredibly powerful Scarlet Witch is becoming, because if, mm-hmm. if not when if not for her being constantly distracted during the initial fight with the Black Order, she was more than capable of, ha- of handling both members of the Black Order by herself. But that, but the but that also leads to one of the two big arrivals reveals in the movie that were like really awesome was when even though we had seen this scene in, in, in the trailer, when Proxima Midnight throws the spear at the train station or whatever, and Steve Rogers catches it, catches it easily and then steps out of the shadows, and you realize it's Cap, and of course it's really not just Cap, it's Black Widow and Falcon who, and they all proceed to take out the Black Order relatively quickly, combined. Um, working together, so that was one of the, and I I like I I kind of liked Cap in this movie. I mean, I, not not that it's a surprise because I like Cap in general, so it's not like it's a shock. But even though they clearly they they clearly gave you a different attitude with Cap, they kind of gave you an attitude that you know that he's going to do what he thinks is right, and, it, and it, which is really Cap basically to begin with. But now, like whoever you know, if anybody whoever gets in his way for you know he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna go through. So when Thunderbolt Ross gives him the attitude about when, when, when Steve makes the very accurate point that you know when he go when after they rescue the Vision and they go back to you know up, upstate New York to Avengers headquarters where Rhodey is clearly regretting the decision that he made he's clearly regretting uh, the, everything that went down with the Accords that Thunderbolt Ross when Steve is making the accurate point that hey you just lost your best defender which is Tony. That basically we're step, you know, we're we're coming we're coming in to, you know, to fill the void, and he makes it clear that if Thunderbolt Ross gets in the way and doesn't like it, then we'll fight him too. So I like yeah. that. I like that. I like that attitude. I like the fact that you know he's. You feel bad for him because you could see you could see that you could see that it's gonna, it's kind of t- had taken its toll on him, but. You know the core of the character didn't change. You know it's like a parallax moment to not to a complete horrible going off the rails level. But you know he kind of he's kind of looking at things from a different different perspective now, and he's and he's adjusting accordingly. And or maybe the more accurately in this case, he thinks the world's looking at things from a different perspective, and he's still keeping his. So I I thought he had some really cool moments in this movie. He didn't have a huge amount of screen time, but he came across really well. Uh, the when he was Pretty much everything you saw in the trailers with him holding Thanos's, you know, gauntlet hand was pretty much what you got. There wasn't much more to it than that. Um, Thanos clearly seemed a little, in, either you know, again impressed or a little surprised that Steve was able to, you know, to hold him as long as he did. But, but I thought Cap came across really well. I thought Scarlet Witch came across really well. Um, Vision was disappointing on multiple levels. Uh, Rhodey was Rhodey, so he had some cool moments. That was. It was probably better than Rhodey in Civil War, uh, and I'm just trying to think in that group. Um, Falcon didn't get to do much, and Bucky did mm-hmm. almost. Other than Bucky having that cool moment with Rocket, there was pretty much nothing for, of relevance of Bucky other than T'Challa giving him his vibranium arm. Right. Uh, but I mean, the Wakanda battle was really cool. 
I know that I don't. I think it could have been cooler, but I wish they gave Sherry more to do. Yeah, sure. Yeah, again, there wasn't very. There was very little that you didn't see in the, in, especially like in the last trailer, or the not the last trailer, the last clip they showed of her scanning the vision and kind of like you know jabbing you know Bruce and and de facto Tony about the uh, about why they connected the uh, hooked the vision vision up the way they did. Uh, it, it it was unfortunate that because of you know that, that literally you, and you, even if you didn't know spoilers you knew they were never gonna she was never gonna have enough time to be able to get that stone out of the vision's head and keeping him uh, as as intact as he could be or more as vision like as he was by taking the stone out you just knew that wasn't gonna happen much like in Black Panther you know Shuri's really good at creating stuff but you know even though they did give her a little bit more to do phys- physically at the end. In that big battle scene, but Shuri does that does not seem to be Shuri's forte at the moment, and we assume Shuri survived just because we don't see her fade away at the end. So, and we know there's going to be more Shuri regardless. But yeah, I, I would have liked for her to have a little bit more to do in this movie. Uh, having all, having all the the female Avengers or the female Avengers and company fighting, you know, rel- you know, kind of sort of side by side in Wakanda was pretty cool. That was cool with the Koye and and Scarlet Witch and Black Widow and Black Widow didn't have that much to do in this movie either. She had some cool scenes. I mean, she had some cool fights, but you know, she didn't she didn't do all that much, which is hard to do. I mean, when you have so many characters in this movie, it's just really hard to give everybody their due. It just really yeah. is. I mean, I think they I think for the most part they did as well as they could have done on that level. I mean, even I mean, I, I, what I found was really interesting. Going, which is kind of, it ties into this, which made me remember we didn't, I didn't talk about it when we talked about the Guardians, is that it was really interesting when Thanos was talking to Gamora and made it clear that you know how Nebulous you know basically snuck in and tried to kill him and came pretty damn close to succeeding, which you would think she wouldn't be able to do. Uh, not that because, not that she not that she is doesn't have skills. It's just that you would think, I don't know, you would just think Thanos would be better at least when. You know, it's a threat you would almost think he'd be prepared for. Uh, yeah. Because, but I've, but it's very telling, which maybe, which you know, maybe foreshadows something that could happen in the next movie, just like Thanos' little comment to Thor after Stormbreaker goes through his chest that should have gone for the head. That mm-hmm. almost, that almost cries to be something that's that is, that almost is opening the door. That almost, they may choose not to open it, but it seems like a door that naturally would be open. That maybe that the next time. Depending how things get, you know, how things work out, that maybe the next time that in a situation like that, Thor or somebody else does go for the head. So I th- just like just like you also think it probably wasn't just a throwaway that when when you're dealing with Peter Dinklage and the when we find out that basically Peter Dinklage is the one who forged the Infinity Gauntlet. And we also find, well, before you know the forge is restarted and everything, we also see there's another gauntlet there. May not be. Oh, or, or or the mold of it. Yes, there, there's yeah. another. There's a, I was just going to say it may be incomplete at the moment, but there is at least another. There, there is another bl- basic uh, rough draft of a of an infinity gauntlet, which may very well factor in to the next movie too, because it depends on what the deal is. What is the status of Thanos? his gauntlet at the end of this movie because it certainly looks like it's pretty burnt out after he uses it. 
So whether all you know whether some of the stones still work on their own, whether they all work on their own, but the gauntlet is shot, so he can't use them all together anymore. Well, I guess we'll have to find that out. But but maybe I kind of suspect it's not that them showing us that other that other gauntlet crying out to be finished or used may very well be the be the key in whoever wields it to you know to kind of put the pieces back together in the uh, whether it's Captain Marvel or somebody else in the in the sec in the second part of this. It'd be cool if it was just Cap, because I think you know, so too. That's what I would like to. That's what I would. Well, like. yeah, well, I mean, let me let me finish because I think I think what, what will happen is he, he. It'd be really cool if he got it, uh, and he said, and as he, you know, as he lifted it, Thanos said something like along the lines of like, you, you know, you can't wield it, you don't know what to do with it, or you know, something to that effect. And Tony, or not Tony, Cap smirks. A bit and like holds it up and says Avengers assemble and then all of them come back that yeah. would be awesome yeah. like if that's the moment that they finally say Avengers assemble I know because if we don't get that that's going to be pretty crappy yeah if they finish the four Avengers movies and we don't get that once I mean in a way I mean that that is so it's so easy to do that that's even to, that's to me it's, it may not be as cool visually it's, I mean, it still would be cool. It may not be, excuse me, it may not be as cool as him like wielding Thor's hammer, and seemingly we're, we're not, you know, we don't know that because we don't know how things are going to play out in four. That we've been seemingly we've been denied that that moment that we kind of thought might be happening that eventually he would get a chance to lift Thor's hammer. That taking away that Avengers Assemble is a, so much is so much easier to give us without a, a, a huge setup, and if we don't get that. That would be disappointing. I think it would be cool if, if, if he used the gauntlet. I also thought, depending on what happens to the stones, if the stones end up, whether they go back in time, whether the stones end up getting off Thanos' gauntlet and disappear again, that if somebody has to sacrifice themselves to get the soul stone, maybe for to do resurrection, that, that Cap would be the one willing to sacrifice himself to get to get the stone. Uh, I don't know. I Either way, I... Th- I really hope as he gets he gets that moment. I mean, I mean, yeah, personally, I would love it if he didn't die because you know I love Cap, but but he is a, he is a noble and worthy enough character that maybe even he and Thor do something together, and maybe Cap's the one that doesn't make it through. Since I've um, and Cap and Thor, obviously, it was nice to see them reunited and have a nice moment again too, since they haven't seen each other in a while. That that was kind of a, a cool moment, commenting on each other's beard and. And haircut and stuff like that, which I had, I had heard that I had heard about that a while ago, long before the movie came out. I had heard about that. I think there was just question about whether that was actually going to make it into the movie. I mean, it was cool and people liked it, but they thought maybe maybe it'd be too much, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it flowed so well in the movie. I guess that made perfect sense why they kept it in, just like the I am Steve Rogers line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I so I. It's. I, I do think they did as much justice to the characters as they as they really could have as a whole. Looking at all of this, some char- some characters clearly got short got got shortchanged. I. I think it was. I don't know. I think I I I, I I'm just trying to like I'm pro- like projecting ahead to trying to figure out, you know how. The likely, maybe we're at this point in the episode where we, where we can, 
depending on what else you want to mention about it too, to start segueing and what how we think or what we think the possibilities are for what's coming next in this. But it was it was I liked <clears throat> I liked what they did. I liked the it was a cool way of kind of like foreshadowing and ca- you know Captain Marvel's arrival since we know at one point Captain Marvel was supposed to be actually in this movie but she won't be in but they decided not to put her in until Avengers 4. Kind of again again using the same premise I think which prevented Adam Warlock from being into the movie so far is that they figured they needed more backstory on that she's too powerful a character to just drop in out of the blue without any introduction to her at all which is why I think they wanted to make sure they had the Captain Marvel movie come out first before uh, before she shows up with the Avengers. I like how they kind of set up that timeline, too, by... Uh, the pager? Yeah, by using a pager, of all things. Right, and obviously yeah. once, we, once we get to watch uh, Captain Marvel, we'll get to figure out exactly lo- the logic behind why, you know, why and where she's been pretty much since the events of Captain Marvel, which takes place in the 90s. So it'll be interesting to see <clears throat> to see that time frame and the context of all that. Uh, For sure. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else before we speculate um, of characters or plots. Because as always in these things, there's almost always something that... I didn't, they didn't... Black Panther didn't have that much to do either. Mm. <clears throat> Not really. Um... Whether that was by design or just because they had no way of knowing how big Black Panther was going to be, uh, either way, that he he was a little he he was a little shortchanged too, and what they did. Uh, that's true. Nebula was good for what for, for for the for the amount of time she was in the movie. Uh-huh. That she's the one who called the Guardians to tell her to meet meet her on Titan. Is that who she was contacting? Because that was not clear to me when I watched the movie who she was talking to. It, guess, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I guess it makes sense that it was the Guardians because I, because I don't know if there was any other lot. Because I'm trying to remember if in the movie there was they specifically said why they were going to, going to Titan after going to nowhere. Unless they just assumed Thanos would go back there at some point. But I know she obviously – unless unless that's – if it wasn't the Guardians, then that opens the door for something else down the road because she obviously – once she escapes, once she escapes, she makes it clear that she contacts – she contacts somebody and says, meet me on Titan. Um, but I, So I didn't actually put it together that it was probably the Guardians, but I, I thought after the fact that maybe it had to be the Guardians since the Guardians did show up on Titan unless – like I said, unless they just figured this is his home world. He's going back there eventually. Yeah. So, what do you? So, what do you? What are you? Either rank or just throw out the ideas you think that they're, they're, that they're going to use to try to like fix this. <laughs> Adam Warlock. I don't care what anybody says. I say Adam Warlock. Uh, will Will Captain Marvel play a big role in it? Probably, but. Uh, I still think Adam Warlock. I mean, it's just like it, because in the comics it was Warlock and and it could have been the Silver Surfer too uh, at, at various points in terms of like just the people equipped to handle something like that. But I mean, just like obviously Silver Surfer is not going to be a big part of it just yet unless they really want to do that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's I, I say Adam Warlock. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. 
have a huge basis for it or anything, but I just I have a feeling it's going to be Adam Warlock. I would I would not mind that. I just think I think it's a harder sell, especially because we know where we where we last saw Adam Warlock and what he's basically being created to do. That you know he basically he's created to be a to to go after the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's kind of so it's a whole bunch of different things unless he gets reprogrammed or something because of, of what's going on. Hang on one sec, your your mic is going really really low. Better now. No, it, it it popped and made all kinds of noises, and then it went low. Uh, better yet? No. Nope. Nope. Hold on. Unless I pull something out. Any, any better? Yeah, that was better. Okay. Yeah. Um. Just pick up wherever I left off. All about, but yeah, I mean, I. I'll just backtrack a little. Um. Mm. So with that. The Adam Warlock. I mean, I could see Adam Warlock. I think the issue would be, you know, he, how he's being. We saw where we saw him in, Gar- in Guardians Two, being created basically to go after the Guardians. So unless they, he gets reprogrammed because of maybe out of desperation, since uh, the Sovereign would have lost half their population too. That other than that, and it's still, and be, I think I think what they're trying to avoid is just the fact. That introducing a huge character that has been that has never appeared you know, as himself in any Marvel movie, just to drop this character in, that while the comic book fans are going to know who he is, but people who have just fans of the MCU are still going to go, huh, what? And I think that's what they didn't want to do, but it doesn't mean they won't do it. I mean, it's they're certainly capable of throwing us lots of lots of curveballs. Uh, I mean. And sometimes even thing I mean, even things we know that are coming still work. I mean, we talked about that cap scene showing up. That was an effective scene. I mean, that was one of the that was one of the, like the two big arrivals. And Thor arriving in Wakanda was the second one. I mean, Thor's arrival in Wakanda with Groot and Rocket was just amazing. And pretty much, you, you kind of got the impression that if Thanos didn't arrive himself, Thor would have been able to take out that invading army. And along with the, what the, the remaining Avengers, Thor himself probably would have been able to eliminate that threat. To Wakanda, it was only because Thanos arrived that you know, and Thanos and he, and, and he was still able to get that axe through him. <laughs> he, right. He just did name for the head. Uh, speaking of which, uh, it kind of sucked that the Vision got killed twice. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I, do you think they? I, I guess they do. Or do you think it? Do you think they fix him in the next movie? Or do you think they we have to wait until we we get the in, the stones back on our side of things? Uh, I don't I don't even necessarily know if he gets there's a chance they don't even fix him by the end of the next part. I think I think obviously he can be fixed. I think there's no reason not to believe that if you assume Tony's still alive. If Bruce is still alive, sure he's still alive. There's no reason to think that they couldn't. And technically speaking, we have no idea. Which I kind of thought was, I kind of thought sucked that you know Dr. Cho was involved in creating him too. That we didn't, we didn't see her at all in this movie. So if, if she's still alive too, or even if she's not, but she's back, but she is by the end of Avengers Four, I think there's enough reasons to believe they could, they could bring the Vision back. I, I think a lot of it also depends on how. 
what exactly is done to resolve things in four? Is it just you know, are we are we picking up where we left off? You know, is it like two different? Is it like two different timelines or two different stories where we're dealing with the 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 Avengers that have survived the purge going forward, trying to figure out trying to figure out try how to solve it, along with going back into the past or the or another an alternate timeline of trying to prevent Thanos from ever getting the stones to begin with. It so it, I'm, I'm not entirely it it, it depends. My my theory all along was most of the that most of the characters or if not all the characters that died before the snap of the fingers were going to stay dead. So it could change, but they don't really need Heimdall anymore because because Stormbreaker is able to sum, to basically summon the Bifrost. So Thor doesn't really so Heimdall's purpose is does, is not in Asgard is not really as big as it was. Not saying it was, he doesn't, you know, his ability to see the souls and stuff. I'm not saying he wouldn't have a role. I'm just saying, technically speaking, if you wanted to do it, keep him dead, you could justify it as long as Thor and Stormbreaker are still alive. Right. Uh, Loki, you could always bring Loki back down the road. Gamora is an easy one to look at. Oh, they could bring Gamora back. And in fact, I could see Gamora coming back. I, I thought Gamora was going to stay dead. Jim didn't. And I think Jim might be right because maybe Nebula would sacrifice herself for Gamora. And that'll be the swap out. Uh, but Gamora's death was arguably the most impactful uh, and the most surprising. So to negate, so to negate that, but you look at most of the people that faded away. Uh, you know, Black Panther's not staying dead. You know, Spider-Man's right. not staying dead. You can't believe mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is staying dead. Have a hard time believing Bucky is staying dead, especially if they're going to get rid of Cap. Uh, Falcon, I don't think is staying dead. You could keep Scarlet Witch dead. Maybe maybe you get the old like I said we've talked about before. Maybe you get the ultimate switcheroo and she stays dead and then Quicksilver comes back. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying. I'm sure Nick Fury is not going to be dead. They could get rid of Maria Hill. She could potentially still stay dead. Uh, but I might, But if I had to guess, I guess most most if not all the people that faded away will come back, and most of the people that were killed before the snap of the fingers will stay dead. But everything's up in the air because you have to almost you have to take it to the bank. At least one or two of the original Avengers are probably going to die in Part Four, so that could so they could. I just have a hard time. I just have a hard time believing all the. the, the I mean, the Russos kind of did say, and again, this could be misdirection, referring to the two-part saga as as a whole, that they pretty much did say that some of the deaths were going to stick, that not all the deaths were going to be to be undone, which doesn't mean some of the deaths aren't going to be. So I would, you have to think some of them because if you think about it, if they if they brought back everybody or almost everybody, then it almost makes the first movie pointless. Yeah. And I don't know if they want to do that. I mean, it doesn't make it pointless now, but it makes it pointless once you have the book in. And I don't think I don't think they want to do that. So, so I think most of the I think if I I would still say it's more I would bet that most of the ones if I had to bet most of the ones that died before the snap stay dead. And most of the ones that died after the snap come back, along with other characters that are, have didn't die yet at all, will die in Avengers Four. But I think if a Gamora comes back, if if anybody who died before the snap comes back, it's probably Gamora. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with yeah. that. Uh, 
Ju- I mean, and it's and it's kind of. And I read this a couple of times online. And it just makes me laugh. And when I read it in a few different places about projecting ahead, it's like, well, you know, some of the guardian. It's like the guardians have to come back because we don't think Guardians Three is going to be a Rocket Solo movie. So <laughs> 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 he and Nebula, and Nebula is a borderline Guardian of the Galaxy. She really isn't. So Rocket is the actually only true member of the Guardians still alive. <laughs> um, so which is kind of interesting, even though I guess it's not because of the fact that Thanos made it clear that it was, it was completely random who was going. That it wasn't by design. It's not like he picked people who was gonna who were gonna die. Because I because I almost thought it would be it was kind of it was kind of weird that he killed Peter since he acknowledged that he liked Peter for whatever friggin' reason why. <laughs> uh, maybe just because his daughter maybe maybe it's just because his daughter liked him. Uh, but I don't know. I so you know you know some of the Guardians are coming back. If I had to bet... I, well, oh, oh, I didn't really deal with the Guardians that faded away. Faded away. I think Drax is going to be dead. I always have thought Drax was going to be dead. I still suspect Nebula is going to be dead. I think Mantis will be alive. I think, obviously, Peter's going to be alive. Rocket's going to be alive. A Groot will be alive. Who knows? Maybe we'll get the original Groot back. And then, uh, then it's a... Pro- and yeah, at this point, I actually would lean towards Gamora being probably coming back. But if not, then then and then at least the team will have they'll be they'll be openings for new members. <laughs> <laughs> and Jax doesn't you know think about it. If they kill off Thanos, we know Drax Drax doesn't really have an arc anymore. That's his main no. that, that's his main focus was you know avenging the death of his family, which Thanos was really ultimately responsible for. So. So you can see Drax dying in the process of either killing or helping to kill Thanos or trying to kill Thanos and failing. So it makes perfect sense for Drax to kind of be gone. Um, but well, just like Nebula too. I mean, Nebula's whole thing is to kill, is to, to try to kill her father. So when that's your ultimate goal, you know, when you achieve it, then sometimes it's like, what do you have to live for? So figuratively if not literally so you could very easily see those two characters dying because they're they have they are and or working together because they have common goals which is to kill which is to kill thanos which actually opens the door to so so you think if someone's going to kill thanos are you still going with the warlock theory or do you think it's going to be one of the existing characters i mean i i i I'm, I'm holding out hope for warlock man i'm just i'm just uh, going to stick to my guns on it I would, I would kind of think. I think Gamora and Drax could have a role. I still would think, maybe, maybe, maybe Thor, because of the headshot thing. Uh, maybe it kind of would be, it would kind of be appropriate. Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm just curious. I'm just going to be curious how they do it. I'm going to be really curious to see how they do it, and, that, and that's what you have to give them credit for. They really did a good job at. It's not surprising this was a cliffhanger, but it does make you wonder exactly how, how they're going to undo everything, and or and or reset stuff, even if it's not really undoing it, but setting up a new, a new timeline, a new, a new reality, a new status quo in the, in the cinematic universe. And who's and who's going to be around and who's not going to be around? I still think Thor is. My, I think Thor, the big three, is the most likely to be around. 
Some mm-hmm. have said, oh, not likely. Be- Thor. Some people say no because Thor technically has nothing to live for. So, as he kind of pointed out, that he had nothing left to lose. But that's assuming that that what is already what is a status quo for Thor now remains. And that's also assuming that there are no Asgardians left at all, which may not necessarily be true. So, I think Thor will be alive because Thor would be a good character to bring back. You don't have to necessarily have another Thor solo movie. He'd be another character you could team up, whether it's with the Guardians again or something else, or other. Or if they're going to bring in other space characters like the Eternals and other things that they're talking about. And of course, obviously, once they get, once the merger, the acquisition of Fox goes through, and they can use the Silver Surfer and and Galactus and characters like that, it kind of be weird to have Thor off the table. Even though, again, it's like a, like comic books, a comic book movie, probably nothing's ever gone for good if you want to bring it back. But I think Thor is the most likely to survive. Tony is probably the second most likely, and I think Cap is the least likely. Just because... Cap is a one... I mean, you could see Tony making a sacrifice. You could. It's much more in in Cap's nature to do so. Which may be why, the, why they could throw you, to, throw you a curveball, but... I would suspect they'd rather keep the option open, literally and figuratively, on Robert Downey Jr. coming back. Because, again, Chris Evans seems ready to move on. He's not unwilling to come back, but depending how how you resolve the how the situation is, again, it's not like you can't bring him back down the road. Maybe maybe that that could be part... They could have an out with that if they really do end up doing secret invasion down the road. Maybe they can do an out with that, too. Um, if Cap ends up sacrificing himself, that it's really not Cap, you know, the real Cap is really that's not that Cap. He's somewhere else. So there's tons of ways they could do it, but I I would still think Cap is the is the most Cap is probably the most likely of the big three to die. Hawkeye is probably pretty likely to die, um, since he supposedly has a big role. Since he had no role in this movie whatsoever, other than his name being dropped along with Scott Lang. And Bruce Banner. So there's an Ant-Man and a Spider-Man now? Because <laughs> <laughs> you forget how much Bruce Banner has really missed. <laughs> and the whole Civil War. It's like the Avengers broke up. What do you mean, like a band? Like the Beatles? <laughs> it is just funny how, like, you know, the, like the concept... And, and he's right, the whole concept of, like, you know... How did things get so wrong when I was gone that the, the friggin' group broke up? <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say about the the movie before we wrap up? I'll. I will be curious to see how it hold how it holds up once, of course, uh, Deadpool comes out. Um, I'm not. Deadpool still looking like it's gonna have a pretty big opening at this point. Obviously this movie has one more good week super super good week because there's no real competition coming out this weekend the question so the real so it'll be interesting just from a box office perspective to see how much it drops i mean you when you have a when you make like but it did make 257 million 257 i got it open let me take a look Uh, almost 258 it almost made $258 million over the weekend. That when you, when you open up that big, I mean, no matter what, I mean, you're going to... It really... The, the hold is going to be... It's going to be really interesting to see if this has your typical event... Like, more like if it's going to be 
more like the Avengers drop overall, or, or if it's going to have a hold more like a little bit like the original Avengers and, and kind of similar to uh, Black Panther, or, or is it going to have more of a, like a like an Ultron kind of like drop where it has a really good opening weekend, but then kind of keeps dropping and I mean it's obviously going to drop about at least fifty percent, if not more, next weekend because how can it not? You know, when you make that much money on opening weekend, you can't you can't not have a huge drop in raw numbers because you're just never going to have that many people turn out for the second week. I mean, it would it would be stunning. It would be a major achievement if this movie could have, let's say, a hundred. If it could have a hundred and fifty million dollars second weekend, that would be amazing if it could do that. But it but so it'll be really curious to see how much to see how much it holds and. That probably was the movie I was looking forward to the most this year. I mean, there's a few movies in May I'm going to want to see, but I. But this could be the last. This could be actually. I think this could be the last movie-centric episode we do when it comes to just dealing with one movie. I think. Was there something else we were focusing in on? And um. <clears throat> huh. Venom. Oh, Ven- yeah, it's Venom, 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 Venom. That's true. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything. Oh, and maybe, but you weren't a big fan of Ant-Man. I was going to say maybe maybe Ant-Man and the Wasp, depending on, on how it goes. But I don't, I don't see that much. I don't see that much this this year. But we'll see. I mean, we can always play it by ear. Sometimes there's stuff that kind of like comes out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. Well, before we close out, I wanted to ask, did you happen to watch any of the uh, press stuff leading up until the release of Infinity War? Like I, any of the interviews or any of that stuff? I've watched, I watched a bit, bits in here and there, so I'm not sure if I would have watched exactly uh, in particular did, what you... Did, did you see the uh, interview with uh, the entire cast where it was like a panel thing and Jeff Goldblum was the moderator? I don't know. I don't think I saw that one. Because the basically what it was is it it was a little kind of a tumbler with a bunch of ping pong balls in it with various names written on it and or groups of characters like ask anybody who wears a cape a question or something like that. Um, and basically Jeff Goldblum would tumble it and pull a ball out and then he'd point to someone in the crowd with a question for that individual. So when it finally came time for Scarlett Johansson to answer her first question, Jeff Goldblum calls on this guy, and guess what this guy has the audacity to ask? He says, can you talk a bit about the fashion aspects of the film? <laughs> and she shut him down. <laughs> and she she was like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I wear a black leotard for the whole film <laughs> and uh later on it finally gets to the guy who plays mbaku uh it gets to him and uh someone asks him a question that he can't answer just because of the nature of the question and he, they're not allowed to say much of anything at all so he starts talking about something else and scarlet turns around and goes can you talk about what you were wearing <laughs> So I just thought, I just I, I watched that the other the other day and I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh man! Black Widow plays or Scarlett Johansson plays one of the coolest, most badass women in the MCU, and does a pretty damn good job at it. 
Also, I guess we got to say props to her stunt team, too, of course. But, like, seriously? <laughs> That's the question she gets? Like, I know that there's, like, a whole lot of, uh, you know, equality, feminism, sexism stuff going around in, in popular culture and stuff right now. But, like, even I heard that guy ask that question. was like, for real? <laughs> you got to ask her that question of all things? I mean, how stupid are you? <laughs> Like, I, I have a question for Scarlet. What, what's your preferred underwear type? <laughs> or, or do you just usually go commando, which I'm hoping is the answer? No. Okay. Like, <laughs> next caller! Like, oh, my God. Now, if you guys can find it out there, I don't think you can find it by itself unless someone did, like, a full article on it or something, which I wouldn't be shocked if they did. But... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, it's a whole panel show. I think it was maybe an hour long. Uh, most all main actors are in there. Even uh, the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige were in there, uh, and uh, Jeff Goldblum's moderator. So if you can find that, uh, it's it's pretty funny. Um, but uh, I guess we're gonna close out. Mark, how can people find us? Lanterncast.com. Uh, the email is lanterncast at gmail.com. Facebook and Twitter, so you can use hashtag GeoCast to locate us on either of those. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review because we are on both. 708 Lantern is the voicemail, and we haven't gotten one in a while, and you we're obviously not going to get any takers on our on our very generous superhuman trafficking option <laughs> offered to people. Which means, unfortunately, Chad and I probably will have to do that next. Um, unless, mm-hmm. Or do we have to do the the uh, crossover thing next? Or do we have one more week on that? We have another week on that. Damn! No, I'm kidding. I mean, we can we can we can record it pretty soon. I think I think we should. Uh, we'll have to talk but, about this because I about get yeah. the actual issue. I mean, I know we mentioned the issue, but off the air, we'll have to talk about this. But yeah, so probably. The next issue we will have no choice but to do will be to do those two issues of uh, superhuman trafficking and finish up, finish up that arc, and then yeah, then it'll be JL May, and probably That's after, right. and then after that I don't know maybe we'll do the first which how many, however many issues of that Dark Stars thing are out at that point. That's what I kind of lean towards just because at least the first I think the only issue I have so far I know the second one came out I think last week I only have the first issue. First issue wasn't bad, so maybe we're, maybe by at that point we'll probably have at least three issues done. So maybe we can just maybe we'll do that since and we'll play it. We have other things we want to do, so we'll we'll probably play it. But year after that, but I guess I, I guess that's the closest thing we have to a blueprint going forward right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. There's a man going round taking names And he decides who to free and who to blame Everybody won't be treated all the same There'll be a golden ladder reaching down When the man comes around The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip
and any sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? <laughs>